environmental toxins. What are you exposed to? What are you excreting? And how we can reduce their impact and our exposure. Welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 329, and I have the wonderful Dr. Wendy Trubeau joining me to talk about one of my passion subjects, the uh, subject of environmental toxins. So we are talking today about uh, exposure, testing, uh, what to do with the information you get, uh, how to reduce the impact of environmental toxins on your system, how to lower your toxic load through detoxification and lifestyle changes. It is a comprehensive sweep of the lot. And so if this is a subject that you're passionate about too, I know you are going to love it. Wendy uh, definitely walks the talk, but is not interested in perfection or ideals She's really passionate as a doctor, as someone who has a a strong OBGYN background, uh, and then through personal experience and through her husband's interest in a more holistic approach as a fellow doctor, uh, then moved into looking at how to best support patients uh, with a whole range of uh, knowledge and testing so that we can really figure out what is causing some of the issues that present. And then also, of course, to fix them and to make people feel well. And, uh, you know, there I, I've spoken to so many doctors over the years, and this is the constant replay story. They fell unwell, often, interestingly, during medical school, which is what? A super stressful, very high intensity time in an individual's life. And it's often in that moment where they realize they don't have the tools available to them conventionally and they need to look outside the box. And this is where so many functional medical careers are born through that uh, personal struggle. And she kicks off by saying, my mess was my message. And I, you've heard me say that many times on the show. So it really lit me up to hear her say that because it's such a powerful way to uh, connect to people when you have walked a tough path yourself and you figured a way out. It's certainly something we love to share on this show. So I hope you enjoy that conversation. I hope you enjoy uh, Wendy's book that we talk about, Dirty Girl. Uh, It's so good. Uh, She speaks in a way uh, like it reminds me of me a lot in the way that, you know, it's not just about information. It's about helping people transform and feel excited to do that. I mean, how many times have you felt guilty about change or guilted into it? It never sticks, right? So I know you're going to love our chat. I'll hook into that in just a little minute, but I want to tell you about two wonderful sponsors that helped me bring this show to you this week. And number one is our major sponsor for the year, Oz Climate. 
Uh, they are such a beautiful business. We were actually having a masterclass with our members uh, in the Lotox Club, which you can join anytime, $49 a year. I think I worked out it was 13 cents a day, people. That is not a lot of money. Beautiful, supportive group, 50% off all of our e-courses, great community, uh, a bit of a brains trust whenever you've got a question. Uh, so total side note, but head to Lotox Club, um, under the explore tab on the lotoxlife.com website and you can just jump right in and join us. Uh, but anyway, we had Russell, the, ch- the head technician from Oz Climate, talking about dehumidifiers, air purifiers, literally every question that we threw at Russell, he had an answer for. It was so great. Um, and, uh, and what I loved uh, particularly was really just looking at those easy ways to uh, use something like an air purifier, depending on the room size you've got, uh, same with dehumidifier to dramatically improve the quality of your indoor air. So obviously air purifiers help us do that by processing and removing out of the air things like volatile organic compounds, uh, mold and their toxins, uh, smells from cooking, bushfire smoke uh, or burn off things like that. And then of course, dehumidifiers help us keep a nice, dry, crisp indoor air environment to prevent the growth of mold. I always say prevention is the best strategy. Once you know that mold can impact you, uh, why stick around and wait to find out if it's going to grow there or not? So ozclimate.com.au is the website and you have 10% off all year round. Your code is LOWTOXLIFE, all one word. Not sure what size unit you need to get? Pop them an email, give them a call. Someone is always happy to take you through it. And then, of course, our second sponsor, a big shout out to the wonderful practitioner brand of supplements, Metagenics. Metagenics are actually the number one provider of quality practitioner only natural medicines in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and they were actually born in the 70s out of a quest to bio-individualize treatments based on what that person needed the most uh, to really help them replenish the body and find a path for the body to start working to heal itself. And it's a beautiful brand story. Today, they're a, a mega uh, a practitioner brand of, of supplements. And people often ask, well, why would I need practitioner like uh, a prescription for herbs? Well, there's very different herbs and sometimes you shouldn't be taking them. Sometimes you should. And sometimes the dosages or the quality are really suboptimal in terms of what you can get commercially. So I actually really respect that Metagenics keeps their supplements under wraps. You have to see a practitioner. They have a really handy find a practitioner near you uh, tab on their website, metagenics.com.au. And I know some of their formulations have hugely and positively impacted my health uh, over the years since I think the first metagenic supplement I took, I was 28 years old after my first trip to a naturopath for the very first time. So uh, I am very grateful to them for jumping on board as a sponsor. Ask your practitioner about them. And if you're a practitioner, they have a ton of resources to help you help your clients and patients as best you can. Thank you to those beautiful sponsors and enjoy today's show, Talking Environmental Toxins with Dr. Wendy Trubo. Hello, Wendy. How are you? 
I'm great, Alex. Great to be here. I'm excited to have you here. We have tried for probably about a year to sync schedules and uh, and finally we've made it happen. So I can see your fabulous book, Dirty Girl, behind you. And I want to first ask you about the title. Let's talk about that because it feels like it's because of a double entendre that you just want to catch some eyes and get people talking about this stuff. I have to tell you, the people who published our book, the head of the company was doing his year-end thing, and they put a copy of every book that, that's been published up on the wall for them for their annual meeting. And the, their CEO was looking around, and he goes, we published a book called Dirty Girl? And the team was like, it's not what you think. A memoir. It, it sort of like grabbed his eye. So, it's a different kind of memoir, yeah. Totally. I mean, it's always, it, it's always personal, right? So- I uh, I had my mess became my message and and before it became my message I was just a mess and I did all this testing on myself and we'll talk about that and I was positive for heavy metals and mycotoxins and environmental toxins I wasn't positive for glyphosate which is the most commonly used herbicide in the world but I was com- positive for everything else and I looked at my husband Ed and I went I'm such a dirty girl and we're writing that book mm. because because you know, I'm the poster child for healthy living. I don't drink alcohol. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat processed carbs. I don't You're literally a functional med doctor. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not a fun eater. You know, people are like, oh yeah, I don't want to eat with you because I'm boring and I exercise and I sleep and I have all these toxins. So if I have this, what does everyone else have? So we wrote the book to get the word out. Yeah, that's it. And and so, you know, you just talked about the laundry list of all the things you don't do and how good you are. And I always put that in inverted commas because we don't want to label things good, bad, that no, how hard psychologically unhelpful. Um, uh, but you got into it after your husband. Your husband was the one when you guys were studying med at college who was looking over here for some Japanese massage and looking over there and really trying to um, see all the ways we could help the human body. But you, a little later, was he the big influence for you seeing medicine more functionally? Yeah, I would say he introduced me to it. And and there's sort of two tracks. So I apparently have, have have a lot of messes. So one mess I had was when I was 35, I got out of bed because I had to. I was the primary breadwinner. But really, if I were left to my own choices, I wouldn't have gotten out of bed. I was that tired. And I had brain fog and anxiety and thyroid dysfunction and everything in my gut, you know, bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, you name it. I had it every day. I had fertility challenges. I had wasting. I was about 10 pounds thinner than I am now. And I'm pretty slim. I was, I was like skinny, like not good skinny. Mm. And And how many kids uh, did you have at this point? At that point, I I just had my second kid and our insurance was changing. My husband was finishing his, his family medicine residency and knew he wanted to go into functional medicine. I was an OBGYN and, and really didn't know much about it at all. But he said, Hey, why don't you work? Why don't you have a consult with my mentor, who is a local functional medicine doctor in Boston? Why don't you have a consult with him and and see if he can figure anything out? And I was like, okay, whatever. I knew nothing, right? So I go to him for a consult and he does this huge workup. He does stool, he does blood, he does saliva, he does urine, massive workup. And he diagnosed me with celiac disease. He was Mm -hmm. the only person who really sort of looked behind the curtain and said, oh, well, you're not well. Like I was skinny. Yeah. I was really skinny. I was wasting. I had nutrient deficiencies. My body hurt. I wasn't well. And um, 
So he was the person who diagnosed me and that opened my eyes to, there's another possibility here. And then, excuse me, fast forward to a few years later, he's done with residency. He's working in uh, an integrative center. It's not functional medicine, it's integrative. And he said to me, I'm thinking April. Now we have two young kids. And I was like, we're going to go on vacation. (laughs) (laughs) I go, we're going to plan. His job is to plan vacations. I will not plan. I'm like, dude, I take care of the house and the family and all the food. And if you want to go on vacation, you can plan it. So I don't plan vacations. That's like our line. So I was like, oh, you're going to plan a vacation? Because oh, I'm going to open a center. And I was like, oh, that's not really what I was hoping for. That doesn't sound so he like a opened, holiday. I know, mm-hmm. right? He opened our first iteration of what we do in 2008, in July of 2008. And so he was doing functional medicine. And what I found was that I had already been sending him some patients who I couldn't get healthy. And and that picked up when he opened a, a place down the street from where my office was. And so I was, I, I one day was like, I need to do that. I, it irks me. It irks me to be sending him people and not be able to get them well myself. So I gave notice. It was my, I remember it vividly because it was my high school reunion weekend over Thanksgiving. Like that's what happens. We all come back to town and we get together. So it was my reunion weekend. And I went to this and I was like, I'm giving notice on Monday. I'm leaving my job. I can't do it. I need to, I need to pivot into this type of medicine. And so I go, I give notice on Monday. And what happens on Tuesday, Alex? What happened? What are you? Oh, you were pregnant, pregnant, of course. With my third yeah. child. And I was like, yeah. what have I done? Leaving oh for God. a startup. You know, he wasn't taking a salary yet. And I was like, oh my God, no, maybe I should rescind it. He's like, it's fine. It'll be fine. And it ultimately worked out. But that's how I got into it was, it was really, and I do credit my third child with having the grounding, like he's very grounded and clear. And, and I mean, right now he's a teenage boy, so he doesn't know what to do with himself, but he's, he's generally very clear and grounded. And and that was all him. Like I was pregnant when I made that choice and it was all him. So that's His how I got energy. into it. And like, I went in mm-hmm. like a newbie and, yeah. and that was it. That was 2009 and I haven't looked back. Yeah. I can imagine. And I must just feel I've spoken to so many doctors about this over the years and it must just feel so rewarding to finally, like this huge too hard basket for um, regular medicine. I mean, let's call it out. Like it is too hard. They don't have the tools um, to then actually start to see your patients getting better because you've got more tools, broader tools. Uh, better tools to actually look at root cause, which of course now that we have the environments we have, that is so hugely important to actually getting people well. Um, And I have so many stories mm -hmm. now. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you guys, I, I love this. I was reading the book and you say, we're supposed to get better with age. And I love that because we really should in so many ways. There are so many excellent things about getting older and knowing what you know and caring less about what other people think about you and um, all of that good stuff. But physically, it's the opposite right now. Um, And so let's unpack that. Like what should we start to be changing in terms of the story that we're telling ourselves about, oh, yeah, I'm just getting older. Yeah. Well, that's the first thing is, right? We all assume 
that we're going to get fatter, sicker, less vibrant as we get older. And so our assumption is the first issue that we think it's supposed to happen. So when it happens, we're like, well, it's just what I expected. Yeah. Right. So I Wait, call and people just kind of, um, it starts as like little funny throwaway comments that I've noticed. I play competition tennis and, you know, like everyone's got some sort of brace on some sort of part of their body, but everyone's kind of joking about it. Oh yeah. You know, I'm a grandpa now and like little throwaway jokes, but really behind that is I'm in pain. I don't like that. I'm in pain. Um, you know, wait, so let's talk about that, Alex, because Mm. if you have, I mean, especially with athletes, you're, you will have repetitive movement injury or wear and tear. Yeah, of course. So yeah, of course you're going to have wear and tear. But the intrinsic functionality of the system should get better and better because you you know what works and doesn't work and you know how to deal with it and not deal with you know you know what not to do. So it's a little bit different. I mean, athletically, yeah, you're not going to perform the same way at 50 as you did at 20, but but your vitality, your energy, your interest in intimacy, your brain function should all be getting better and better. Yes. As opposed to worse and worse. Exactly. And I feel like the um, the physical, like, let's call it mild wearing out. I, I refuse to admit that I'm wearing out anytime soon um, of like parts um, because you're being active um, uh, should not then penetrate into a, an internal belief. No, not yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. They're separate. Yeah, yeah. Very. Okay. So... Talk to me about your workups. Um, you mentioned mold. Uh, I'm curious to see, were you able to figure out where the exposure was in your case? No. Mm-hmm. no. Um, like a know, college it's, it's, dorm or? Um, I couldn't go back and test, right? Mm. So, I mean, I live in Massachusetts and it's a, it's not a dry climate. I'll say that. It's not like Arizona, which is dry. So the, and and then layer on top of that, that we have extremes of weather. So for example, in 2015, we had what's called snowmageddon and like 12 feet of snow. And everybody had what's called ice dams where the water starts to melt. It gets underneath and it gets into a crack and then it gets cold again and freezes. The ice expands and it essentially cracks open your house. So tons of people had water damage. And in fact, about 50% of homes in the United States have had water damage. So Wow. Uh, I'm sorry, all buildings, 50% of all buildings. So you think about all schools are pretty much moldy, dorms are moldy, businesses are moldy, homes are moldy. So the statistical probability of you getting to adulthood without being in a moldy building is almost zero. Yeah. So we never figured out where it came from, but I I have five strains. It's literally too expensive for the world to admit that it causes disease. Say that again. I say mold is too expensive for the world to admit that it causes disease. Totally. Ramification from a litigation perspective is like no one can afford it. Right. It's massive. So, so I never figured out where we got it. We tested our house. Then we did have some mold in our bathroom, which we remediated, but that wasn't the main source of it. The main source of it was prior to that. So I've actually, I think I'm due for a retest. I was just thinking, oh, I got a retest, but it's I, it's a slog, Alex. Like getting rid of mycotoxins is just binders 
and detox and uh, and avoid exposure. And so I um <clears throat> we were talking about going to Venice and I was like I, I don't want to go to Venice. <laughs> I mean, it's when moldy. I was a kid, I thought that that would be the most dreamy place to go after mold illness. I don't want to touch it with a barge bowl. No, thank you. No, we were talking about, okay, we were going to go in a big group and I was like, can I sit that one out? <laughs> so we ended up not going because COVID hit, but we were we were literally planning a trip. And then in retrospect, that's a really stupid place for me to go because I knew it was moldy, but I didn't really know the extent of it. So so it's taken uh, four years. I've been on treatment for four years and I've gone from five strains of mycotoxins to two. So I'm quite proud that I've like moved it along. And the two that I have left are much smaller than they were. But given how crappy I am at detoxing and how everyone gets exposed, I kind of figure once I'm quote unquote done, I'll just keep taking some maintenance binders just to be neurotic. I take them about two days a week. Um, and and if I go to a friend's house and I smell a little mustiness from their aircon or um, a shopping centre where you see like a couple of tiles out in the roof, I'll just take them that day. And I think that you have to have that prophylactic approach when you know what down the road looks like if you let it colonise and hang out for a while inside you. No, thank you. You're never going to regret it. Now, the question people always say, what binders do you take? I'm like, I can't give you that medical advice. But I will say that I take fiber called Lean and Clean. Uh, it's it's derived from Konjac, which is propylmanin. And that binds to all the strains of mycotoxins and chlorella, which is glass grown. So it doesn't pick up any of the toxins from what it's grown in because it's a binder. So I take those. And then I also take activated charcoal and clay and a medicine called Wellcall, which is cholesteramine. It was originally developed as a cholesterol drug, but it's terrible as a cholesterol drug. It doesn't work, but it works great for mold because it's a binder. Yeah. So I take all of that. I take a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then as we now know from some of the research that people have started to do, different binders work for different toxins. So it makes absolute sense that you would cast the net wide. Yeah. Um, I, I will say when I read about the probable man and I was like, wait, it binds to everything. I'm taking that because uh-huh. it binds to all the strains of mycotoxins, which is really lovely. I'm sorry because of the seasonal allergies where we are, I'm like all congested today. So I apologize for <laughs> coughing all the time. No, that's okay. <clears throat> um, and I find um, that once mold has compromised an immune system in the way that it does to some of us, Allergies were never a thing for me until I got mold exposed in in a really bad way. And then all of a sudden I was someone who got hay fever in the season. And I'm like, what? How do you make it to 35 with nothing like that? And then boom. And this is where timelining is so important, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's when I moved to that house or when we took a holiday or when I had that virus. Um, and I know your... Um, you're passionate about toxic load, obviously, as a general uh, topic. It's not just about mold for you. And you talk a lot about plastics in your book as well. And I love this because I feel like plastics is such a boon if we really focus on it and get rid of it, because it's not just the Tupperware. It's not just the nuking in the microwave, which hopefully everyone's got the memo about not, not, not doing now. Um, but it's also processed food, which is where the majority of our phthalate exposure comes from. People don't even, you know, oh, I've ditched, no, I've ditched my, um, you know, uh, laundry products and everything. We're using fragrance-free or essential oils, but we're still eating a ton of stuff packed in soft plastics. 
So can you talk to us about some of those exposures? Because it's like a double win when we ditch those health and the environment. Yeah, I mean, and it's so hard, Alex, think about it. I'm mm. sitting on my, I, it wasn't marketed this way, but it's basically my vegan leather chair. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's vegan leather? Plastic. Plastic. Mm. plastic. And I'm talking into my microphone that has plastic. And I got into this meeting by taping on my keyboard, which is plastic. I'm using my mouse, which is plastic. And my ring lights that I had to turn on, which are plastic. Um, it's, I, I don't know if you read the New York Times, but like, I don't know, two months ago, one of the reporters did this day, a, a plastic free day. Mm. And he prepped for it for like two months. <laughs> you need to do and, so much research. Yeah. Yes. Not to wear, not to touch, not to use. And he spent one day living his normal life, but he brought a stool for the for the train station because the seats are plastic. But he he clocked all of his violations and he said in one day I clocked up 157 times that he couldn't couldn't avoid plastic like the food with a plastic sticker on it it's literally everywhere so so it's it's not a question of are you getting exposed it's a question of are you able to deal with your exposures because you can't get away from it you're stuck you can't get away from it so really when you talk about low tox life like you do so much it's really about how do you peel it off so pick the obvious stuff right don't drink from plastic that includes not just water my patient said to me what about my kombucha? And I was like, is it in a plastic bottle? She's like, yeah. I'm like, well, don't drink from it. <laughs> like, she's like, I didn't even think about that, that it was in plastic. So it's like, it gets you, you know, as careful as you are, it gets you. So don't drink from plastic. Don't eat food that's been wrapped in plastic, particularly if it was warm when it got wrapped. Yes. Like the um, stocks and broths that are in the pouches, baby food <sighs> in the pouches, anything in a pouch, do not touch it. No, I have a kid who um, has Lyme disease and COVID and it's really done a number on, on their taste buds. And so they like certain foods. And one day I came home and they're eating soup out of the plastic container. I'm like, Psst, look, like I'm a pretty lenient parent, but that crosses my line. You cannot order that. You cannot order like that. This is like my living. This is what I do for a living. You cannot even bring it into the house, much less eat it because you're just literally eating plastic and you don't feel well. So it's pervasive. It's really hard to get away from. Um, so yeah, so the when you talk about avoiding exposure to soft plastic food wrappers, yeah. it's impactful. Mm. You know, it's really, it, the, it's the, such an intimate thing that's going inside. It's not even just around your environment. I know um, it's in you. Mm. So you do your best, right? This, this is a slippery, crazy making slope mm. because people are, people don't get your memo of it's low tox, not no tox. Yeah. They oh. think it has to be no. And, and it makes, that, you know, it makes very you bad for the mental health because really it is no, no, it's not possible. Right. It's it's a hundred percent impossible. So it's really about how do you minimize your exposure and maximize your excretion? It's doing mm, love dual that. Goal. Love that. So let's talk about maximizing excretion when it comes to plastics. I mean, it feels like we need so much more research on how to better excrete plastics, plastic particles, endocrine disruptors. 
Um, what do you know that really makes the difference for people? Right. So, I mean, when you think about it, it's death by a thousand cuts. So, so stop standing under the waterfall, wondering why you're wet. Right. So it's, this is, this is a systematic process, Alex. This is not something that'll happen overnight. This is something that you'll repeatedly screw up and you'll be like, Oh, got me again. Like that Britney Spears song. Oops. I did it again. Like, oops, I screwed it up again. Have some, have some compassion about it because you're going to screw it up. Be able to laugh about it, right? I was so proud. I'll share one on myself. I was so proud. I ordered these laundry detergent pods that come in paper. So I was like, yes, no more plastic bottle. The little pod is biodegradable. I'm so happy. It's non-scented, blah, blah, blah. Never thought to look at Environmental Working Group. And I, and I try to check everything I buy through EWG or think dirty, never thought to do it bottom. I was so excited. And of course, because I have four kids, I didn't just buy one package. I, oh, bought, no, a, I bought a bulk <laughs> package, <laughs> which will last, will last my house for two months, but which would last a normal house for like, you know, six months. And, and then I had it on auto ship because <clears throat> remember four kids, zero brain space. So second delivery comes and I'm like, I never looked this up. I didn't look this up. Let me look it up. Now, remember this is, we just got a delivery. I look it up and EWG rates it at like a five. And I'm like, I don't want to use a five. I aim for like one, two or three on a bad day. One or two, three on a bad day. So I was like, all right, we just bought a whole two month supply. We're using it up. So Use it up because you're not going to move the needle on that particular thing. But overall, what you want to do is as you run out of something, makeup, room cleaner, hair product, shampoo, I don't care what that is. Whatever you run out of is the thing to focus on leveling up on. And as you do that, as you go through your day, your life, your year, whatever it is, you're going to level up on a ton of products. And so you start to systematically remove your exposure to plastic. So I would, <clears throat> you know, plastic wear never goes bad in the sense of, it's not like, oh, my plastic wear is old. I need to replace it. The glass breaks, but it's essentially one of those things where you have to say, okay, it's time to replace my Tupperware. And so I did that. My kids were so mad at me because I replaced it with metal and uh, we had glass, but I have teenagers. They're like, I don't want to take glass to school. It's heavy. Okay. So I got tin, you know, a, a, um, stainless steel and they, they couldn't see through it. Like they could see the other thing. So all it looks like is just this big thing of tin foil, tin. It's not tin, it's stainless steel, but it looks like just these metal containers. You can't see what's the food. Oh, so they're all mad. They were like, no, we don't know. What the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. tap on the top and you're never going to be perfect. So, okay. So systematically decrease your exposure and then systematically work on removing it from your body. You know, they're called forever chemicals for a reason because they love us. We don't love them, but we love, you know, so one, don't keep filling the pump because it's really hard for your body to deal with additional exposures and toxins and, and, and stressors when it is stressed. So do your best to pull off as many death by a thousand cuts as you can do your best, right? It's never going to be perfect. And then you want to make sure that you get enough sleep. 
this is totally out of left field, right? We were talking about toxins. Why? Oh, no, 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 no. I get it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you don't sleep, you don't detox. And if you don't sleep enough, you don't detox enough. So most, I'm going to paint, paint genders with broad brush strokes. Most women need more sleep than men. And almost all women need more sleep than they're getting. So, you know, people are so proud. They're like, I spent seven hours in bed. I'm like, that means you got like six hours and 20 minutes of sleep, most likely. It's not enough sleep. You need probably seven and a half hours of sleep, which means you have to be in bed for eight and change. I have found that if I'm in bed for 10 hours, 10 hours, Alex, pre-COVID, I would never have been in bed for 10 hours. I was like, I'm fine on seven. But I have found that optimal is being in bed for 10 hours. I get about nine hours and 33 minutes of sleep. And that's my happy place. I would never have thought about that. But a lot of us need more sleep than we're getting. So let's talk about why that matters. When you get into sleep, into deep sleep, your your cells shrink. All the cells in your body, but your brain does this too. It shrinks. And the space in between, I'm, I'm doing this with my hands, the space in between the cells gets bigger, the interstitial space. What that means is your body can drain, especially your brain, can drain these toxins into the glymph and the lymphatic system, which can then move these toxins out of your body. But if you're not getting enough sleep, you don't give the opportunity to do that. So it's really important to get as much sleep as you can because you help your body detox. And so then you say, okay, well, it makes sense to take binders at night if you're going to take binders, take them at night so that you can help the body. Once you start to release these toxins, don't recycle them, buy yeah, them, get them absolutely. out of mm. Take them. So right sleeping enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm just going to speak for probably um, 30% of people, especially middle-aged women going through perimenopause um, or men who haven't done a workup in uh like ever because they they often don't until there's something wrong um and they find it hard to sleep and they hear a doctor saying you've got to get more sleep like that's easy for you to say what do you find to be the biggest levers people can toggle when it comes to being say bad sleepers either um usually because they're waking up in the night and staying up or um, finding it hard to get to sleep in the first place tons of things to do. So let's let's sort of separate these out. So you need to have good sleep hygiene. What does that mean? It means that you reserve your bed for sex and for sleep. So in bed, you do not read, you do not watch TV, you do not ever work on your computer. Bed is for, so you cue your body when it gets into bed, it's for sleep and sex. Those are the things you do in bed. Get out of bed to do the other things. One, Two, we have, I was talking to Deanna Minnick yesterday and she's big on phytonutrients and she's also really looking into melatonin. So I was talking to her yesterday about melatonin and what she said to me is we have a, a, a deficiency of natural sunlight and we have an, also a deficiency of natural evening time because we spend a lot of time on screens. So what happens when it's after dark, call it, you know, right now it's daylight saving. So it's a little goofy. It doesn't get late till eight or eight 30, but as it gets dark in theory, you should be 
not being on screens because it's dark. You're going to go to sleep, but we don't go to sleep at eight 30. We go to sleep. People go to sleep at what midnight. So you spend three, three and a half hours getting blue light, which destroys your melatonin, which just impairs your ability to sleep. So what you can do at night is turn down the brightness on your screens, get blue light blocking glasses and establish some ground rules, parameters, uh, guardrails like okay i'm not going to be on the screen past x set an alarm set screen time be disciplined about this get off screens that's two then three so these are things to do to make your sleep more likely have a set bedtime so we try to get in bed it, it's really hard like we try to get in bed at 10 and turn off the lights usually it's 10 20 10 25 partly because my husband doesn't get any home till 10 05 from his workouts so i'm like come on you know i, I try to be ready for bed so that we can go to bed because i'm the rate limiting step on a lot of nights because you know i gotta take off my makeup and wash my face and oh, women are all those things. like 30 things i remember seeing a, a, an amazing keynote speaker once at a breakfast and and she was stepping through the i'm just gonna get a bed honey as she walks past her husband who's watching TV at the time, and then she just uh, folds the laundry for the kids for the morning. Then she just quickly makes sure that there's everything ready for the lunch boxes. Then she does, like, the, the makeup and the things. And, the, and <laughs> he's like, didn't you say you were going to bed? And she's like, there's a lot to do. And so I, I agree. You kind of almost have to allow for the reality of what that statement means sometimes and totally um, yeah mm. <laughs> yeah so so allocate proper time right so that you're not stressed so there's those are the hygiene things and, and really work hard to turn off your light okay so now you turn off your light and you're not sleepy or you can't fall asleep so uh if you've been on the screens you have a deficiency of melatonin so melatonin can be helpful magnesium can be helpful. You know, everyone's constipated. So if you take magnesium, it's a double whammy. It's going to fix your anxiety and your insomnia and you'll poop. Everyone's mm -hmm. happy. Yeah. So magnesium is fantastic. There are tons of supplements that you can take that help, uh, help the body. So you can take things like 5-HTP, L-theanine. Um, I'm totally blank. Um, valerian root. Passion you take a lot of those. Passion, exactly. Passion flower. And then, so those are like first line of therapies. And I'm not talking about pharmaceuticals. I'm talking just about that. But you did reference women who are perimenopause, menopause. As progesterone goes down, sleep can be really impaired. So for a lot of women, taking progesterone can be very impactful for sleep. Okay. Meditating at night before sleep so that you quiet the adrenals, quiet the system down. Now let's go to, you go to sleep, but you wake up between two and four in the morning. This is classic, classic adrenal and liver time, especially in Eastern medicine. So it's kind of sometimes hard to suss out, but let's back up. If you eat dinner at five o'clock by two in the morning, it has been a really long time since you've eaten, you know, so you can be hypoglycemic and you'll wake up and you won't be hungry. You'll just be awake. But what's happening is your liver is releasing the stored stores of glycogen, which is long chains of glucose all stuck together. It's releasing it because you're hypoglycemic. So you'll wake up and be like, why am I awake? That's one reason. Another possible reason is your adrenals between two and four in the morning kick in. They're preparing 
for your day. So you're releasing catecholamines. Women go into labor between two and four in the morning. Your body's preparing for the morning. If you inappropriately secrete your cortisol at the wrong time, you know, two hours too early, this is where being early isn't so good because you're now trying to sleep and your body thinks a lion's going to eat you. So you wake up and you're like, ah. you know, these are the ones you wake up, your heart's pounding, you're wide awake, you, you're wired and you're exhausted. You have no idea why. That's often an adrenal issue. And so what we recommend is people take adaptogens at night to quiet the adrenals down. And we also recommend people try a protein snack before bed to see, hey, can I, can I interrupt this? I always recommend tracking sleep because I'm a test, don't guess and get data human. And I wear my whoop. And it's like the first thing I do every day is I tell it I've woken up and then I'm like, okay, start processing, right? So check your sleep, monitor your sleep. And then another thing that can be really impactful for sleep, which nobody wants to hear, but goes along with the low tox life is get rid of alcohol. Alcohol really messes up your sleep. So, and it's a toxin. It's literally drinking a bottle of toxin. So, uh, so I would, uh, those are lots of things you can do. And, and then obviously see a provider. And if you're having hot flashes, then we want to add in estrogen. So that is pharmaceutical, so it's progesterone. So there's, there's so many things you can do for sleep, but you want to figure out like what's going on here. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, and I think often because things are common in our modern society, uh, we then normalize them, but it's not normal. And uh, you should be able to get restful sleep. That's actually part of being a human. Yes. <laughs> and Tell me something. Is, is marijuana yeah. legal in Australia? No, no, not yet. Okay. Mm. So, I mean, because I do, I mean, it's legal in Massachusetts and, and uh, there it's amazing. A, a tincture. So you don't smoke it. You take a tincture of it mm. and like then a CBD blend kind of oil type thing. CBD, CBN, THC in a, in a, essentially you want the THC in this, in a smaller ratio or equal ratio than the CBD, CBN. So you don't get high, you just get sleepy. So it's, it's magical for sleep. And we haven't even talked about, uh, we talked about melatonin. So there's, there's just so many things you can do for sleep. Yeah. And melatonin, uh, I was looking into research around the melatonin hangover the other day that a lot of people experience. And I saw um, people now, practitioners now starting to recommend you take it actually quite early in your evening, because that's when the levels should be rising to start sending the body signal. So don't take it at 10, when you get into bed, take it at seven with dinner and then even earlier, okay. four or five o'clock is when it yeah. starts to rise. So you could mm -hmm. take it, get home, take it. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's a lot earlier than people think. Yeah. Totally right. I think yeah. We're so used to, oh, but I watch my favorite show from nine to 10 or this or that. And, and like people getting upset that they're getting sleepy earlier. It's like, this is the new you get like, learn to love it because you're going to feel so much better. That's what TiVo is for. Tape it. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about sleep. We've talked about plastics. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, where, when you think back to being purely an OBGYN and the things that you were seeing in clinic that people were presenting with and you had started sending them down the road to the husband, um, but what do you think in retrospect were the reasons those women were ending up with those conditions when you really, like, we've talked mold and plastics. Are there other things we haven't talked about 
I mean, there's so many things we haven't talked about. We haven't talked like, about stress. Uh, we haven't talked about stress. We haven't talked about food. We haven't talked about uh, food sensitivities. We haven't talked about candida. There's just um, estrogen dominance, You going back to plastics. So there's just so many things that we that are that are possible to throw us off. So I think probably the biggest one would be candida because it's called the standard American diet, but it could be the standard Australian diet too, right? Yeah, but same. you're in Australia, not, not New Zealand. Australia. Yeah. And Australia, that's what I, thought, I okay. think you guys, uh, I was reading some research when I did my second book on processed food and America sits between 65 and 70% of the average shopping trolley is ultra processed and Australia is 55 to 60%. So we're really not that far behind. So it's the sad diet. Oh, it's very so, sad. Yeah. So that's very powerful at having the gut be out of whack and having improper bacteria as well as overgrowth of candida, which makes you bloated, constipated, retain weight, messes up your sleep, messes up your brain function. So there's, there's a lot of reasons, but so Candida is a big one. And then, and then I would say general imbalance, right? Like not having the tools to get super healthy and then hitting a transitional phase where you get less resilient, like perimenopause, menopause, that your resilience goes down. You're less able to deal with challenges. Mm. And speaking to that, I literally bumped into an old school friend last night who um, I was like, oh, where have you been? Um, where have you been today? And she said, you know, I've been getting my bone density test. And and I said, oh, what did they say? Because I had just uh, fractured my fifth metatarsal, luckily just a teeny tiny hairline. Um, and uh, And she said, they said it wasn't so great but let's just test again in two years and see if it's doing then. I was like, um, okay, so I just recorded a podcast called Fracture Proof Your Bones. You go check that out and there is actually a lot you can do before you just sit like a duck and hope it doesn't get worse. That just seems to be the worst possible situation um, is just waiting, right? And so you've actually done um, some research and you talk about it in your book on the link between uh, heavy metals, specifically lead and bone health. And a lot of people think, oh, my lead levels are really low. Our pediatrician says lead, we want to go for zero, as, as close as we can possibly get to zero. I don't want low. I want lower um, and lowest. Um, so what is the link between lead? Because we don't normally think, oh, yeah, you know, that's what it is. We go straight for I probably didn't drink enough milk as a kid. You know, we have these messages that are baked in from childhood about how you get strong, healthy bones but we don't really talk about what makes them unhealthy in the first place. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about why you should care about lead first off, because most people are like, I'm not chewing on lead pipes. And you're right, most of you are not. But I, so I, I don't know the stats in Australia. I apologize. No, but I'll okay. speak for Where America. Mm -hmm. There's 10 million homes in America that still have lead pipes. So if you have lead pipes, you get a lead exposure. There are companies that will use lead in the faucet and they don't have to disclose it. And so you can get lead from drinking the water in your home because there's par very small parts of it that have lead. Mm -hmm. Or if you drink almond milk, 
uh, cow's milk, whatever kind of like packaged drink, if they're producing that in a factory where they've got lead pipes, then you're getting it that way. Correct. But the probably the biggest way people get it is being born to someone who had it. Because when a woman is pregnant, she gives 50% of her lead levels to the next generation. So uh, that's a tremendous way. And here's this, here's the persnickety thing about lead. It's not like you check your blood level and you can monitor it. You only have a positive blood level when you have a recent exposure. Otherwise, your body goes, whoa, this is super toxic. We're going to store it. So, so background is most of the time, you're not going to find it unless you really go looking and poking and, and do a provoked test to find metals. Okay. So that's why it's important. Now it's important because lead, when it's stored, it's stored in fat and organs, but mostly it's stored in your bones and it replaces the normal bone matrix. Now it's even worse because as you go through your life, you you renovate your bones, essentially. Think of it like a renovation. You're constantly building, breaking down, building, and you get osteoporosis when the when the natural bone architecture breaks down more than it builds or the architecture is filled with lead and so you can't make the normal matrix. And so as you build and break down your lead, you can self self-release and essentially give yourself a lead injection because it was stored away and it was quiet. But now as you redo your bones, you start to give it to yourself again. It's terrible. It's awful. And so even if you can't find it, it's not detectable, you're still exposing yourself to it. And it's an inflammatory thing. It can, it's related to degenerative diseases. It's related to autoimmune diseases. It's extremely irritating to the gut and, and it's invisible. It's mostly invisible. Can we hair mineral test? How do you feel about that? You know, Alex, it's interesting. I'm not a huge fan of unprovoked testing, meaning you just kind of measure your hair, measure your urine, do a baseline. I consider those baseline tests. Mm -hmm. That tells you what your body is voluntarily moving, Mm. but it doesn't tell you what you're storing. It tells you what you're getting rid of. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so but especially, really wanna... if, especially in a, a state of poor detoxification, it'll be a very bad indicator, as we know for microtoxin testing and, and other metabolites. Yeah. And I blew off. I, 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 I mean, I'm in this business. So people will send us a test and be like, hey, try it out. Right. So I did the lead, lead test, the, the heavy metals testing long before I ever had a problem. I just did it because I was like, oh, cool. I'll do that. And I did it and my lead level was nine and we like it well under eight. But at the time I didn't know what I know now. And so I blew it off. I was like, it's not that bad. It's only one point over, right? Okay. And my mercury was negative. And fast forward to retesting after a clear lead exposure, I was in France after Notre Dame burned and was remarking like, God, it's so dusty here. And then subsequently learned that when Notre Dame burned, it released 500 tons of lead dust into the air. And the closer you were, the more exposure you got. And I was there for a week. So I retested and my level went from nine to 12. That got my attention, Alex. I was like, crap, I really had an exposure. And by the way, my neighbor had taken down his post-war lead paint filled house about eight, nine months before 
And after he took his house down, I was like, my hair is falling out. And I said to my hairdresser, my hair's thinning. She first off, she was like, no, it's not. And then she's like, yeah, it really is. So, so I had two lead exposures in a year and I didn't test after my neighbor took his house down. I only tested after the Notre Dame, but it was all within the span of a year. And my lead level was 25% higher. My mercury was still negative. So then I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta treat this. I mean, I'm, I was really sick. I was very messy and toxic and sick. So I treated Here's what happens when you improve your detox pathways, you now start to move stuff. So now I retest. And at one point in the test, the treatment, I said to my husband, I feel great. I'm only six weeks in, but I really think my lead is gone because I feel amazing. I'll just keep going on the protocol so I know what people experience, but I think it's gone. Oh, famous last word. So arrogant, right? I retest. My mercury is 41. Remember, it was negative, And my lead is 21. And I was like, oh, bang head here, man. I guess I'm not done. But my body really likes the detox and the movement of getting rid of those metals and binding them. Yeah, so that's why you were feeling good. And and you mentioned the word protocol. Uh, what do you advise patients for removing heavy metals? Because that's a bit of a tricky process as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, so we just we have a protocol. We have a couple protocols. We have we have we have one that's like best in class, and that's that works on improving the liver's ability to actually do its job one well let's back up you have to fix the gut before you do anything so you this is never on top of irritable bowel or dysfunctional or dysbiosis like you have to have a functioning healthy gut keeping in mind that if you have really high levels of toxins the gut's going to be irritable so you need to deal with that but first deal with the platform the food the the dysbiotic bacteria the candida deal with deal with the baselines right so then you deal with ensuring the liver is doing its job ensuring the gut is functioning properly and ensuring you give binders to bind those metals and then replacing the minerals and nutrients that are lost during the detox, as well as helping the minerals and nutrients displace the metals from their bound spots. So it's four kind of areas. And, and the protocols, it's a pain in the butt, Alex, like really a pain in the butt. And then we have the, I can't cope with that. I either don't have enough brain space or financial space to deal with that. We have a much simpler protocol that has binders, replacement, and a little bit of liver support. It doesn't work as well, but it works better. I always say to people, everything's better than nothing, right? If you don't do it at all, it's not going to work. So do what you can do and, and you'll do it as fast as you do. It's not a race. It's just a process. It's a journey. Mm, absolutely. And when you talk about liver support, um, are you talking about like herbal support, dandelion, milk thistle, or something a little bit more aggressive? Yes to everything. Right. I mean, I love, I love dandelion milk thistle. I love those. And we're often using vitamin, uh, liposomal vitamin C, liposomal glutathione, alpha lipoic acid, and acetylcysteine, mm. uh, so as like well as a range of antioxidant uh, mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Um, and then you mentioned finance and cost, and and yet a lot of people can't go to a functional medicine doctor and get a five hundred or thousand dollar workup for various things. And um, in Australia, we have very few labs that can do advanced testing, so we often send our pee and our poop, and off it goes to America. So for us, it's the Statue of Liberty is like, bring us your poor, your tired poop, bring it over. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So a part of me has migrated to the U S um, but welcome to Boston. 
But so, yeah, that for us is like double the price again because it's having to get air freighted and, and dry iced. Um, how in the, in the age of self-healing, you know, there are a lot of doctors speaking direct to camera on Instagram, sharing a whole bunch of information. And um, in one way, that's incredibly liberating from an access perspective for everybody to be able to have that knowledge without making a $400 appointment and a thousand bucks worth of testing. But at the same time, self-healing needs some better guidelines, I think, and um, and some more um, uh, self-stringency, if you like, about what you do take on yourself and what you do really need a doctor for. Uh, how do you feel about that? Because it must be exciting to be able to get out there with books and social media and and help more people, but at the same time thinking, okay, don't go rogue out there and don't buy that supplement because they package it in some faraway country that has no uh, legal kind of um, guidelines on how something is packaged or tested. A message for self-healers out there, some guidelines, some advice. So I, I'm admittedly a supplement snob. I, I say to my patients, look, I'm not brain conscious generally. I, I'm not like, oh, I'm wearing the latest. What? I'm, that's not me. I like to wear things that look good and feel good and are comfortable. And if it happens to be a brand name, cool. But for supplements, I am brain conscious because you want to buy something that's made in a GMP facility, which means they're testing for contaminants. They're testing for the presence of mycotoxins, heavy metals, that it has what it should have, that it doesn't have what it shouldn't have. So I am a I am a, a supplement snob. I'm I I uh, call Amazon my boyfriend because he sends me everything, but not supplements because the warehouses are not temperature controlled, and so you don't want your supplements sitting in hot weather. You know, a lot of these warehouses are in places that it's cheap, right? And it's kind of, kind of center of the country, and it's cheap, but it's not temperature controlled. So the supplements would not be something I would get off of a commercial site. I would go direct to a functional medicine provider. Like we only use, we have two, two types of things we use. We use physician grade supplements. They've all been tested. They're, they're like high grade. And then we manufacture our own and they've all been tested and they're high grade. So, so those are the two levels of things that we'll do. Um, so supplements. Okay. And then what can you do on your own versus what you shouldn't do on your own? So uh, I mean, you can absolutely do an elimination protocol to see what foods are you reacting to? You, you can, I mean, you can do all of that on your own. You can do antifungal herbals. You can do, um, you can do like home. There are a lot of companies that'll allow you to do stool testing and food sensitivity testing. So you can do all that on your own. You're still going to pay the money for the test, but you'll at least get some insight and be able to alter the way you eat, alter your lifestyle, start to fix your gut. You can do all that. You could fix your adrenals on your own, but it's really hard, Alex, because unless someone's reflecting back to you, wow, it really sounds like you have a lot on your plate. And it really sounds like you have too many things on your plate. Most of us are not going to make a change. We're just going to be tired. Right. So that, so you can do it on your own. It's just really hard to do on your own because you're doing the best you can with the information you have. And so that's where I think it's reasonable to follow people and take adaptogens. You can do that. You're not going to harm yourself, right? As long as it's a good quality. Acupuncture, Epsom salt baths, osteopathy, magnets, all of the alternative, the Reiki, all of those are great for supporting the body. Toxins, I think you need to work with someone. 
you can certainly pull off your exposure. You can get your mercury fillings taken out with a, a biologic dentist. No problem. Please go do that, right? Like get your mercury fillings taken out safely. You, uh, I wouldn't renovate your house yourself, especially if it's a pre-1978 home because it has lead paint. So I wouldn't do a, I wouldn't do DIY projects on your home if you have a home built before 1978 because you get a lead exposure. So funny, I had a patient roll in. I did her lead testing. Her lid was 95. I'm like, buddy, how are you still standing? And then we, of course I go crazy treating her. Her next lead, it's like 25. And I was like, you had a really sort of un, unexpected response. We only treated you for 12 weeks. It usually takes longer. What's up? I was like, did you do any DIY projects on your house? She's like, oh, I did. I stripped the paint off of blah de blah I'm like, don't do that. Don't do that. So recently I test her again. Her lead is now back up to 45. I'm like, what'd you do? Did you do a DIY project? She goes, oh, I forgot. Yes. So don't DIY it if you live in an older home because there's lead paint. Don't do that. Um, and you are going to have some lead just from the house settling and the, and the joists of the house grinding against each other. It does dust the lead. You're going to breathe it, absorb it through your skin, eat it. You're going to get a lead exposure anyway, so don't make it worse. Uh, but there's a lot of things you can do in terms of reducing your exposure. Test your home for mycotoxins. Test your air quality. Clean it up, right? Get clean. Stop adding artificial scents and, and room fresheners. Those are very toxic for you. Don't add those. There's a lot of things you can do on your own. If you really want to test and get rid of toxins, you want to do that with a functional medicine provider, just so that you know what you're treating. You know, people be like, why can't you just treat me for mycotoxins and not test? I'm like, I have no idea what I'm treating, A, and I have no idea when I'm done treating. You want to get some data. Absolutely. And, and I love that you mentioned the basics because- uh, you know, unless we're really working on eliminating that processed food as best we can, getting a bit more sleep, getting some natural sunlight, uh, you know, if we haven't done those things yet and we're like, I just need to go see someone. Yes, you might. Absolutely. But, but like the appointment's in three weeks. So let's start the basics now, right? Totally. Yeah. And speaking of natural sunlight, the sun is setting. Where Are you seeing it in my thing? I can or is see it... it on your neck. It's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Just to make sure I'm not all washed out because I can't see it. No, all good. All good. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you about, because it really has exploded in the last 10 years uh, in terms of uh, people sort of being first to market with different tests and different uh, interpretations of raw data when it comes to genetics. Uh, and uh, you talk about it in your book, uh, quite uh, extensively and and how impactful it can be. Uh, this is definitely somewhere I would recommend speaking to someone who is literate because uh, this is, it's very complex. And a lot of people I can see uh, also saying things like, I am MTHFR or I am, you know, like I am a gene or I, um, I have a SNP. And it's like, yes, but that doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, so can you talk us through a bit of a 101 on where we're at with what we know about genetics and what we can do with it at this point? Yeah, that's such a great question, Alex. So your genes make, your genes, everyone thinks, oh, if I have the gene, I'm going to get the illness. No, your genes are like 10% of your risk. 
the other 90% is in your hands. So having said that, I'm a huge fan of getting the data on your genes because it might influence your behavior. Yeah. So knowing I have the worst genes. No, I, I, I was with both my parents at my son's bar mitzvah a couple months ago. And I, I sat them down. We were at this dinner. You know you know how family comes in town. You have all these events. So I sit them down and I said to them, and they're divorced. I said to them, I love you both dearly, but you really should never have reproduced and you should not have had me. Like, I'm great. I'm grateful I'm here, but you should not have done that because I have the worst genes. Yeah. So <laughs> knowing that I, but it's helpful. It's really helpful knowing I have crappy genes because I have two copies for vitamin D uh, mutations. And what that means is I don't, I already have crappy absorption because of the celiac and the years of celiac that was undiagnosed. So my gut isn't the most functional. So I'm always someone who needs to take vitamin D. That's how I mitigate it, right? And then I have two copies of the C677T MTHFR mutation. So, okay. Oh. Right? We're twinnies. <laughs> We're little gene twins. But so what that means is I always want to take a methylated B vitamin right? So these are the behaviors I'm taking to mitigate my genes. And then I wish I had known about the celiac stuff beforehand because I have two copies of that. I should not be eating gluten, but I learned about that after I got diagnosed. So that was sort of out of the, the good horse was out of the barn, but you can mitigate your genes if you know them. So knowing like, you know, I did all the gene testing on my kids and um, I don't know, do you have, do you have you have 23 and me down yeah, in Australia? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, and then well, I'm assuming that we send our spit to America. But yes, we have it. Yeah. Bring us your poor, tired body fluids again. Okay. So we, t- we take that stuff and you can plug that information into genetic genie, Prometheus, and you can get an evaluation of your detox and your methylation panels. So I did this for all my kids. I don't know how we arranged it, but two of my kids needed surgery on the same day. They both got their adenoids taken out. And so we, I was like, well, if I'm going to have sick kids, I might as well have two sick kids. So let's do it all at once. So my um, my bookend kids both had surgery, my oldest and my youngest. So we have the detox panels. My oldest has the worst detox panels, the worst. I'm always like, buddy, you really need to guard your backside. But she's a teenager. So whatever, I can't fix that. But she has terrible ones. And then the youngest one is pretty good ones. I don't know. how. So that's what they have. So they both have surgery on the same day. The Now the little one was like, what is she? She's eight years younger than her sister. So she pops out of surgery and she's like, okay, I'm good. The oldest one is like, oh, and it took her weeks to recover weeks. And I was like, remember you have crappy detox. So we really need to be guarding against this. We need to do glutathione. We need to get vitamin C. And she's like, I'm not doing any of that. She's a teenager, right? She's like, mom, what are you doing? I don't, don't, don't bother me with that. But it really is impactful to know what your genes are because you can guard the backside of it yeah. and prevent some of the consequences a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And do you have any favorite readers? Like, you know, there are so many different programs that you can look up online and and run your data through. Do you have a favorite? Yeah. My favorite one is Genetic Genie. That's my favorite one. Uh, Prometheus is probably my second one. And then I think there's some other ones that are pretty good. I just forget their names, but Genetic Genie is my favorite. It can nicely, partly because it connects directly with the 23andMe. Nice. And so last question, if uh, a person has capacity to make only one lifestyle change this week, what do you think is the most important thing for us all to be doing? Food. Mm. Hands down, always level up your food because 
you do it every day mm. all the time, right? Like we eat every day, no matter what, pretty much. So that's the single most impactful thing you can do to improve your health because it's it's like the law of of common usage or I don't know what to call it, but you do it so much. Yeah. Yeah. So wherever you are, level up on your food and aim for unprocessed, organic, wherever possible, low sugar, no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, and that it doesn't have a label because it's just it's just food. What it is. Yeah. It's, it's just, just food. It grew, got harvested got uh got processed at the abattoir you know got fished that's, that's yeah just, yeah. Mm. yeah do your best on food that's the single most impactful thing you can do well thank you so much Wendy for the work that you do uh, for your book it's so approachable such a good explainer you know so that information can be very technical but uh it's just information if it's not turned into the transformational piece where someone feels like they can do something. So I appreciate you and it's been great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me here. This has been great, Alex. Thank you. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder, we have so many fantastic shows in our archives these days. If this particular topic was helpful to you, head over to lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast and click on the podcast directory, which gives you food, body, home, mind, and environmental health topics segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous e-courses that I've written with various doctors, naturopaths, health professionals, and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, looking after your inflammation, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials. Go and head over to at lowtoxlife on Instagram or find us on Facebook. It's always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share favorite shows and share them with your friends. I absolutely love that. A little reminder, of course, that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice. They are intended to open the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet, but please always check in with your health professional. And one last little request, if you have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would just mean the world to me because it helps us get out there and have other people have confidence that that thing they're considering pressing play on is absolutely worth it. I'll catch you for the next show you tune into. Thanks for joining me again. This is Alex Stewart, founder of Lotox Life.